Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in on this first ever episode of Naked Exchange. My name is Virginie. And my name is Lucy. And we hope to bring you interesting, fun, educational, and destigmatizing podcasts on sex, love, and relationships. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> um, so we'd also like to preface this uh, by saying that although we do, between us, have uh, 15 plus, we think, about combine, uh, combined work experience in this field, um, we both learn things every single day, um, and we also both struggle with issues in this area. Um, so really, you know, we're here to learn uh, with you guys and hopefully from you as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Before we get started with today's episode, we'd like to respectfully acknowledge that we are on the ancestral, traditional, and unceded territory of the Silks Okanagan people. And as visitors, we are very grateful for the opportunity to live, play, and learn on this beautiful land. And we thank all the generations of Silks people who have taken care of it for thousands of years. Yeah. Um, it's important to us to do a territory acknowledgement because we can't talk about any of the topics that we will talk about without talking about uh, privilege and oppression. And one of the most oppressive forces uh, in the world today is colonialism and how it expresses itself in today's world. Yeah. Um, so we thought we would start today by just maybe having a little bit of an introduction uh, about who we are so you guys can feel like you maybe get to know us a bit better. And uh, then we thought we would also talk about one of the most dreaded Hallmark holidays of the year, which has just passed us by, which is Valentine's Day. And maybe just have a little think about, yeah, what are the feelings around that and the pros and cons. <laughs> can be a delicate topic. Yes, <laughs> I'm already dreading it. <laughs> okay, um, so we're going to start off just some introductions. So Virginie, I'm going to I'm going to ask you some questions. Okay. Is that all right with you? Sure. Okay, good. Let's start with, where are you from? Great. <laughs> this is always <laughs> such a loaded question for me. Um, so I'm Virginie, as I said, and I'm, I'm a third culture kid from Costa Rica, which means that I grew up in a household whose culture was different from Costa Rica. Um, and yet I still identify as Latina and I identify as Costa Rican before anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, however, I have European ancestry, so I'm very visibly like white and tall and people assume that I'm Canadian, right. um, but then they notice I have an accent mm. and then they're like, where are you from? <laughs> and I'll say, oh, I'm from Costa Rica. And they go, you don't look like you're from Costa Rica. And frankly, I actually, I do look like I'm from Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. I fit in with my friend group. Um, it's just people don't really know what Costa Ricans look like, right. um, but I don't have Costa Rican blood. Mm. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I grew up speaking French and Spanish mm. and English, mm. but I'm not a native English speaker. So if I ever mispronounce something, feel free to make fun of me and then correct me. <laughs> <laughs> it will definitely happen. Um, yeah. But yeah, so that's where I'm from. Because um, Remind me where your parents are from again? My parents are from Belgium. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so you speak three languages. Four, actually. Four? Yes. Four of the four. I, Italian. I just thought it was sexy, so I learned it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just learned it just one day. Well, I just, you know, I grew up knowing to speak three, so the fourth one was just, thankfully, just an add-on. Nice. Uh, well, that's uh, three more than I can speak, so you're <laughs> one up on me already. Um, so this, um, talking about learning things today, so I just learned this definition today. So can you tell us a little bit about your social locations and maybe what that means? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, everybody has groups of people that they belong to. And these are social locations. There are many different social locations, such as gender, race, social class, age, ability, sexual orientation, marital status, and many more. And all of these kind of work together to create your identity. And sometimes you're in a position of power thanks to it, or you're in a position of oppression because of it. Um, So as women, um, or self-identified women, cisgender women, we are in a position of oppression because it's a sexist society. Mm -hmm. However, as white passing women, in Mm -hmm. my case, um, I'm in a position of power because I'm not Mm -hmm. a black indigenous person of color. Right. So my social locations are, um, as I just mentioned, I'm a cisgender woman. I'm in my late 20s. I'm asexual, but I'm in a committed heterosexual relationship. Um, As I said, I identify as Latina, but I have European ancestry. I'm able-bodied. I'm not religious. um, And I'm currently a master's student doing my master's in social work. But I also work as a clinic coordinator for a reproductive health care clinic. So those are my social locations. Cool. do you maybe want to explain to the listeners um, the definition in your mind of what asexual means? Because I think people sometimes get confused with that term. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it can be a, a complicated term. And I think when it comes to any of these labels, it's a very personal understanding of mm. what that is, right? Yeah. So um, if you were to... There, I guess I have to back up a little bit. Um, every single person has a sexual orientation and a romantic orientation. Mm -hmm. So somebody would be attracted or not attracted to somebody else, or somebody is able to fall in love or not with somebody else. And so in my case, um, I would identify as gray asexual in the spectrum of asexuality, which means that unless I have formed a really strong emotional connection, Mm -hmm. I am not able or I don't experience sexual attraction towards someone. Um, I was actually talking to a friend about this earlier today. You know, I was going through high school oblivious to everything that was going on around me. Mm. And because I wasn't having sex, I thought that nobody else was having sex. Right. (laughs) So (laughs) obviously I know now that everyone else was having sex and I just wasn't thinking of it. Um, But yeah, it's um, a lot of people will ask me then, oh, so you never have sex? And well, no, that's not true because Mm -hmm. my sexual behavior isn't necessarily tied to my sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. Just like somebody might be, um, you know, a a female lesbian um, who still has sex with men, Mm -hmm. um, my sexual behavior is not tied into my identity. So, yeah, so that's that's what asexual means for Mm -hmm. me. But for somebody else, it might mean something else entirely. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think what you just did, you asked me a very, like, respectful, curious Mm -hmm. question. And I think that's the best way to approach this yeah yeah and I think like sometimes you know people can feel uncomfortable around how to maybe you know speak to somebody or approach somebody if we're unsure about their social locations but I think that it's always down to that individual person to define what they are that we're never in a position where we should be defining things for other people oh absolutely so yeah I, I would always say like you know if you're unsure then just ask yeah. You know, people will always respond, I think, 
better to being asked rather than maybe being mislabeled. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, you making assumptions mm-hmm. um, can be really harmful for, for many individuals. Mm-hmm. And I think just approaching things with curiosity and openness um, and and respect yeah. are, are key to this. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I guess I'm interested to know, you know, as we've said, we've got um, quite a lot of years behind us working in this field. What do you feel maybe makes you be or feel so passionate about the work that we do? Yeah. So, you know, if, if I have to go back in time and see when my interest sparked, I wouldn't be able to tell you when it did. It, mm-hmm. it just feels like it's something I've done my whole life. You mm-hmm. know, I remember being 11 years old and having a classmate ask me if I had a pad because everyone knew that even though I hadn't had my period yet, um, I carried supplies that I could help people <laughs> with. Or um, I remember um, people asking me questions um, maybe about, you know, flavored condoms. Like, why do flavored condoms exist yeah. when we were like 12 or 13? And even though I wasn't using them, mm. I either knew the answer or I could talk to my parents. Right. And my parents were always very open with me. Mm. They always really shared a lot of information. And, and it was really fantastic to grow up with parents who were so open about this. Mm. Um, and then I could relay that information on to my classmates whose parents um, perhaps were a little bit more reluctant to talk about it um, in the very Catholic context right. of Costa Rica. So. Mm. You know, my my mom's Catholic, but she's non-practicing, and, mm. and my father is an atheist. And so we always had a lot of discourse in our family. We, mm. we talked a lot about things. Right. Yeah, so, you know, I, I just had friends and peers who knew they could ask me questions. Mm. Um, and so I had all of this knowledge, and I was really passionate about it. And I remember I would read things. I think it was girl.com was one of the websites that I would um, frequent as a, as a teenager and um, read encyclopedia of girls and, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of really neat progressive information, Mm. um, that felt at odds with the society in which I, I was growing up, but, um, it felt right with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. Thanks for asking. (laughs) And I guess now it's my turn to interview you. Yeah. Okay. Nice to meet you, Lucy. (laughs) Nice to meet you too. So, Lucy, where are you from? So, um, I was born in a uh, little country called Scotland. Um, So I'm from Edinburgh, which is the capital. And about 11 years ago, I moved to London in the UK. Um, And so I was living there um, for 11 years. And then I only just recently moved to Canada about eight months ago. Yeah. Yeah, Which is also when we met. It is. Yeah. So, very exciting. That's awesome. Eight months already. I know. It has gone very quickly. It's crazy. Time just flies. <laughs> and so, you know, we, we talked about social locations earlier. Mm. So what are your social locations? Yeah. Um, so I guess I would also identify as a cisgendered female. Um, in terms of sexual orientation, that's always been a sort of odd question for me, just because I don't really feel like any of the labels particularly fit mm-hmm. um if i had to pick one then i'd probably say pansexual mm-hmm. would be the most appropriate because right. um i certainly have felt both sexual and romantic attraction to both male and female 
partners. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like bisexual is just a bit too um, rigid, I guess, because yeah. I kind of acknowledge that gender is a spectrum. And mm-hmm. so I guess, I w- yeah, I would be open to the, the potential for a relationship more based on um, that person as a, as a whole, as an individual mm-hmm. and how I feel about them. Um, versus any one particular gender Mm -hmm. so so yeah I mean um at the moment I am in a monogamous um heterosexual relationship um and um you know I'm happy um but you know yeah it's it's always just been one of those ones that whenever you have to tick that on a form (laughs) I'm always like I don't know like I don't um, I don't feel like I necessarily fit into any of those right. boxes. Well, oftentimes, yeah. asexual is not even mm, a box on right. the form. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and the people might feel like that's a small thing, but you know, I think as human beings, we really like to be acknowledged and and seen, and we like to know that maybe if we look out into a crowd, that we can see ourselves mirrored back to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we do maybe fill out forms like that and there isn't an option that we feel fits, you know, that can be difficult. It can mm-hmm. feel very, like, I don't know, like shaming or it can just feel quite um, disconnecting um, or that you feel very maybe alone or, mm-hmm. you know, I don't fit into this uh, mould maybe. Absolutely. That other people yeah. expect me to fit into. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just it just makes me think. I mean, it's not necessarily anything that I can say has caused me like hardship mm-hmm. um but yeah it, it's it's just tricky it kind of it, it does sometimes make me a little bit angry you mm-hmm. know if I'm filling out a form and I kind of think why like why is this relevant do um, you ever get the question oh you know since you're in a heterosexual relationship does that mean you're heterosexual now yeah I mean no one's ever said that to me but I'm I know that I've definitely f- felt maybe that like I guess even like shame like around am I valid as part mm. of the LGBT community mm-hmm. because at the moment I'm currently in a heterosexual relationship and um, and so I think that can be hard sometimes because yeah it can just feel like where do I belong yeah you know um, am I an ally or am I a member like I don't mm-hmm. know yeah it's difficult you can be both yeah I think you definitely can I, mean, I guess it's yeah. and I'm, I'm still kind of figuring out what that means for me and yeah. and what's hard as well is sometimes that can mean you know really revealing parts of yourself that maybe you don't necessarily want to reveal yeah um just by again having to tick a form or you know join certain groups or show up to certain events and have to maybe explain yourself and that can be hard <laughs> so yeah um so that was a, a long answer about sexual orientation um i'm in my early 30s um i am european um so i have white skin uh also able-bodied also not religious uh and i currently i am working as a psychotherapist um which is one of those words that seems to be different in whatever country you go to. Yes. (laughs) So uh, some people might be more familiar with the term counsellor or clinical counsellor. Psychologist is similar, except that I don't have a doctorate in psychology. I've got qualifications in psychotherapy. Um, But yeah, that's what I'm doing. Um, And I do work, uh, so a lot of my training has been uh, special specialized in that I work specifically with uh, relationship and sexual problems 
So yeah, couples and individuals that might be e- either having issues with relationships, sex, or both mm-hmm. is uh, is mainly what I'm I'm working with. Yeah, awesome. And why are you passionate about sexual justice and sexual health? Yeah, it's so funny. And like we had this conversation a couple of days ago, didn't we? Um, that I feel really similar to you in that I couldn't really pinpoint an exact time or reason, um, except that. Um, Similarly, I just always had this awareness of uh, maybe sexual health and sexual issues that mm-hmm. my peers didn't really seem to have. And um, so I remember there was a magazine um, in the UK called More Magazine. Um, and that's what I used to read. And I used to really love reading like the problem pages and stuff. Um, and I remember one uh, time the magazine came with this like free booklet about STIs. Right. Um, and I remember like I took this booklet out and I had it like beside my bed like in my bedside drawer and I like would read it and I was like so interested in like all the different infections and Mm -hmm. I like memorized them all and what all the different symptoms were and like you know just like looking back now that's a bit weird (laughs) (laughs) but like I don't yeah I don't know And, and I was in the same position that people would kind of come and ask me questions that I seemed to just kind of know the answer to or that I'd managed to like figure out somehow um, my parents, uh, they weren't particularly open. Um, you know, I think a common experience for most people, it was just kind of one of those things that wasn't really talked about. I mean, mm-hmm. certainly if I, if I had any major issues, like I could have gone to, to speak to them about it, but it just was one of those things that wasn't openly really discussed at home. Mm-hmm. Um, my sex education at school was probably fairly typical of most people. Um, I didn't go to, um, a religious school, but it was quite biologically based Mm -hmm. um and quite fear-mongering as in like these are all the bad things that can potentially happen if you have sex (laughs) um and how to try and stop them um so it wasn't very sex positive um so yeah it was just kind of it was always one of those areas that I just was really interested in and curious about um and then I guess you know as I got older and 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 we talked a bit about this as well but um so I'm also a survivor of sexual violence Mm -hmm. um and so and I I think we've we've talked about how many people actually we know yeah so we both are yeah 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 um so yeah how many people that we know that actually can put their hand up and say me too yeah <laughs> um uh, which is both terrifying and uh very sad mm-hmm. um and so there's definitely been events in my life that have happened that um have obviously made me yeah just have to get support and think a bit more maybe about what's kind of going on in the world and yeah. how it can maybe be a bit different hopefully for the generations coming up behind us yeah, and mm. even, you know, the fact that we can talk about it, mm. um, you know, that that's amazing that we are in a country where this podcast can happen, right? Because right. yeah. how many other people can say that? It's I think it's very, mm. unfortunately, it's a very small percentage of people in the yeah. world who can do that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So we have a lot of things in common. Mm-hmm. We also have a lot of things that are different. Yeah. Um, but... I just wanted to highlight that one of the things that we have in common is that we are both feminists. (laughs) The F word. The F word. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) That doesn't mean we're man haters. No. 
Um, and so I guess I just wanted to explore a little bit with you, like, what does feminism mm. mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's such a good point because I really, it makes me really sad when I hear women, uh, particularly young women, say, yeah. oh, I'm not a feminist, you know, as if like it makes her cool not yeah, to be a feminist. Or that it's like a bad word. Um, you know, that it, yeah, it's got these kind of negative connotations. Um, you know, for me, um, and it's really funny, I don't know if you've ever watched a show on Netflix called Call the Midwife. Yes. Oh, my, oh my gosh. gosh. I love Call the Midwife. <laughs> so if you haven't uh, watched that, then really watch it. And if you're on the fence at all about being a feminist, I think it really highlights for me um, because it's not that long ago. It's like the 50s and 60s Yeah. Um, in our lifetime where in the UK, which is like, you know, supposed to be a liberal you know forward moving country Mm -hmm. um and what you see is really like how little choice women had um at that time right you know so not only did we not have choice over our bodies so obviously abortion wasn't legal uh, but neither was the contraceptive pill Mm -hmm. um neither was it obviously uh further back than that was it for us to vote Mm -hmm. so to make decisions and that there was women that actually went out and died yeah to get this changed i think that really gets like forgotten and buried really easily yeah you know that i don't know if you've seen the episode where there is a lady who talks about how she was force fed in prison you know and that they got medals for going through that and you know that that's real that that happened that these women were they protested they were arrested they were put in jail and they went on hunger strike and they were force fed. Um, and she, if you watch the episode, you know, she's very descriptive about what that experience was like. And like, I, you know, I was in tears and and women went through that and they went through it not knowing whether it would they would see the change in their lifetime. A, a lot of them didn't. A lot of them died before any of these changes even happened. And they, they did it for us. for So... We have the privilege to say, I'm not a feminist yeah. because women died. That's what I think makes me a bit angry. Absolutely. Is that it's, it's just very disrespectful to what went before us. Yeah. yeah. And I think part of it, too, is we have a responsibility because mm. um, rights are eroded all the time. Mm. And, you know, just south of the border in the U.S., like there's a lot of things that are happening that mm. are eroding those rights. And um, I think... You know, more importantly, um, is that we are committed to being intersectional feminists. Mm. And so intersectional feminism was kind of brought forward by Kimberly Williams Crenshaw. She's, she's an American civil rights activist. And her critique was that feminism tends to be for white women. Mm. And it doesn't take into account, you know, when we're talking about so- social locations, mm. what it means to be a black woman or right. what it means to be a black disabled woman um, in comparison to what it means to be a white woman. Mm. And so even for the right to vote, right. white women got the right to vote before black women did. Mm. And so intersectional feminism, I think, that we both espouse would be to making sure that everyone's rights are advanced mm-hmm. and recognizing that everyone's rights are being eroded in different ways mm-hmm. um, because of how our social identities interplay. Mm-hmm. And as a result, men are also included in this. In yeah. fact, everyone is. 
<laughs> but I get a lot of people asking me, oh, like, why isn't it called humanism? Well, philosophers already took that word from us. So <laughs> I think also, like, with things like that, you know, we have to remember that sometimes if the table has been tilted really far one way for such a long time, and it has, it's just fact that, you know, white male privilege has been the dominant privilege for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. So the table has been tilted that way. And it started, hopefully, moving towards being more inclusive. And so I guess that, for me, that just means like, okay, so we're going to have to tilt the table another way. So for a temporary amount of time, it may be tilted away from you as a white man. It doesn't mean that you're losing privilege because I don't think that can ever really happen I think you're safe (laughs) in your privilege it just means that the focus is not going to be on you at the moment because we have to put it on other people yeah Um, and so yes it's feminist because at the moment that's important and hopefully down the line we don't need this word at all Um, but you know at the moment I think it's okay and yeah I would just really encourage people to also consider that I think sometimes people get confused between feminist and activist. Mm-hmm. You know, when they say, oh, I'm not a feminist because I don't want to go out and, like, march in a rally and I don't maybe want to go to Congress and try and get laws changed. And I think that's okay. Um, you know, no one's asking you to actively do anything. But there's really small ways, actually, that can be more powerful um, that you can contribute in terms of me just challenging language that you hear that's, yeah. uh, you know inappropriate or disrespectful or you know just opening conversations the way that we're trying to do here about um, social locations and what they mean and to just being open to new ideas and and you know for me as a as a feminist that's all you really need to do is just say yeah I, I support people you know having the same rights as everyone else you know that's all you're kind of saying yeah absolutely mm. and you know, I think part of it is that you be you have to be really kind of like self-reflective and you have to think about mm. yourself. And it can be really uncomfortable for some people to kind of like look inwards and, and figure out like, oh, my gosh, this is actually really toxic behavior mm. and feel guilty. Well, you know, you shouldn't feel guilty. Guilt mm. is not a helpful emotion, mm. um, but it can help identify issues that you may need to work on. And yeah. so... Um, for example, earlier today, I was having a conversation with someone um, who was talking about how children are already being so socialized into being, you know, like um, male mm-hmm. children are already being given all of these things that mean you're a boy and you're going to end up with a girl and mm-hmm. like all of the socialization that takes place. And so even something as radical as, you know, when somebody says like, oh, my gosh, like, your son and my daughter make such a cute couple Mm. saying, oh, actually, my son's gay. Mm. And, you know, and so that way you're, like, challenging the assumption. Of course, we don't know what the child's sexual orientation is, but Mm. just challenging the assumption that it is hetero, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I feel like we've covered, I hope that, gives us a little bit gives you guys a bit of an insight into who we are uh, and we'll probably be revealing more stuff um about ourselves as we oh, move through that's doubtless you know yeah <laughs> uh yeah we hope that our sharing um maybe helps you guys to know that you're not alone and yeah um but shall we maybe move on to the more challenging topic of 
the uh, V word. The V word. <laughs> <laughs> Is that my name? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, Valentine's Day. Mm. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about it. Okay. All right. Valentine's Day. I think in its origin, um, it kind of celebrated a priest who would marry couples mm. that were like running away. Oh, right? I, Is that... I, something I just read about this the other day. I'm sure it was something along the lines of um, it was meant to be a celebration of fertility. And so, yeah, um, men would take the opportunity to run amok in the streets. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> there's something I'm sure we need to read that. We should have read it before. But I'm sure yeah. there's something like they got like a like a strip of bark or something and they would like whip women with it. Oh, great. That sounds so hot. <laughs> and, that, and if you got uh, whipped, it was meant to be like good luck in terms of your fertility. And then... Yeah, they basically that they were looking for a woman to pair up with. I'm so glad that's not what happens now. <laughs> Chocolate is well, so much more exciting. I mean, I haven't been into a club for quite a long time, but I would imagine that possibly that's a bit what it's like on Valentine's Day. I don't know. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. And then I think there was a couple of people called St. Valentine that were murdered or died or something. I don't know. We probably should fact check this before we put it on the air. Um, but yeah, so anyway, then Hallmark came along. Um, and well, I think first of all, in Europe, for some reason, it became that people would exchange handmade cards. Um, and then uh, Hallmark jumped on that and uh, started mass producing cards. A million dollar emporium. Million dollar well, emporium. actually millions, probably. Yeah. And so it's now quite a capitalist uh, holiday designed around making money. Um, and it's it's kind of, it's such a pervasive way of capitalism taking over something that is supposed to be like really beautiful and pure, right? Like love is, in my opinion, I think is one of the best emotions that humans can feel. Um, and so they've like turned it into this, oh, you have to show love by buying chocolates mm, and right. roses and doing expensive things. And mm. I think that we should celebrate love every day. Yeah. I don't think that it should be just one day. Yeah, definitely. And I don't know if you ever read, um, you know, uh, Gottman, he, um, does a lot of really interesting, uh, blogs and articles and he, and one of his recent blogs, uh, he, he talked about that. He said, um, you know, that yes, Valentine's Day can be an opportunity to connect with your loved one, um, but it shouldn't be instead of, you know, mm-hmm. that there's still 364 other days in the year that are opportunities to connect. So by all means, you know, use Valentine's Day maybe as an opportunity to, to connect and do something special, but that doesn't mean that you should neglect the other 364 days a year. Um, and I think... To think about it like that maybe takes some of the pressure off. Because yeah. I, I think that's something that people maybe feel and, and why this day can bring up uh, difficult emotions is there is almost this pressure to maybe, you know, demonstrate how good your relationship is or maybe like how much you love your partner by doing a thing, you know. And, and this kind of taps into maybe like social media lives as well like you know people posting about yes. you know look how much I love my partner or look at this amazing thing that we're doing and you know and that's that's hard because mm-hmm. you're right that takes away from the meaning um and so I would I guess I would really invite people to just try and maybe take a step back from the commercial side of it and you know 
yeah, if you want to, it's not that you, if you don't, if you do want to buy into that, so I'm not telling you that you shouldn't, um, but if you don't want to, you know, can you just think about the meaning behind the day and can you maybe look at it as an opportunity for, for connection? Um, and I think equally, if you're not in a, a relationship with somebody else, then you are always in a relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. The longest relationship that any of us will ever, ever have. have. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, how can you maybe nurture yourself on that day? I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and I, I want to say, oh, it's just February mm-hmm. 14th. It's just any other day. You know, mm-hmm. it's, but, you know, truth of the matter is um, a number of years ago, I got broken up on Valentine's Day. Oh, my gosh, really? Yes. <laughs> and honestly, like, I didn't even like the person that much, but it stung. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Pick a different like, day, guy. Yeah, like two days before, <laughs> one week after. No, no, it was on Valentine's Day. Um, and that just, like, made it a lot harder than yeah. it would have been. Yeah. Um, and so just acknowledging that, you know, even myself saying, oh, it's just another day and you should celebrate mm. love. Well, there's there's also a lot of meaning ascribed to that day. Um, and we, even though we might want to run away from it, well, not run away from it, but, you know, just shift the meaning mm. of it, um, then sometimes things happen that, make it that much more powerful yeah and I I think as well it's really hard nowadays to disconnect because even if you turn off all your social media you're still going to see all the stores you know completely decorated so Mm -hmm. then okay you're not going to leave your house like or listen to the radio or turn on the tv like it's very difficult to not know that it's Valentine's Day it's going to be shoved in your face somehow yes um and, and so so yeah that is hard um and absolutely I mean I'm exactly the same. I like to think that, you know, I, I do try and not buy into the commercial side. And, um, you know, I love my partner very much. And, um, you know, I, so I would hope that I would, he would know that. But, yeah, there absolutely was a, a small part of me. Um, and we were actually away this week. We were in Vancouver. Um, and we were, he was working. And so he was really busy. And um, uh, the 14th was our last day. And so we only kind of had the morning together before I came back to Kelowna and he actually had to fly to Europe. Um, and so in the back of my mind, I was kind of thinking like, well, he's probably not going to get me anything because, you know, and that would be completely understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a really, there was a bit of me that was like, was anxious mm-hmm. about like, you know, is he going to get me something? Is he not? Like, you know, and uh, yeah. And I did feel that kind of, yeah, just anxiety around what will this mean if he doesn't get me something? You know, and he did. Let's just I will throw that out there. <laughs> he got me a card, um, you know, which was lovely. But, um, you know, yeah, it, it is difficult. We're, I, I don't think anyone is immune um, mm-hmm. as much as we would like to be to just having that in our face all the time. Yeah, and yeah. especially people who, you know, for whom Valentine's Day is very, very important. Um, if they're in a situation where, you know, due to economic or Mm. other factors they might not be able to celebrate it the way that they want to uh that might make it really hard yeah definitely and so you know it's trying to find the balance like you know it 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 can absolutely be meaningful for you um it doesn't have to be commercial you don't have Mm. to shell out hundreds of dollars to show the person that you love that you love them um but 
you know, maybe you can go on a nice walk and have a coffee. Yeah. Or, you know, there's so many alternatives. Definitely. To it. Yeah, I think I know I'm personally really guilty of forgetting that. Um, that my go-to love language can often be gifts. Um, and I think you're right. I think, like, that that can be nice. Um, but there is so many other options and ways to connect. I mean, that's what it's about, right? We're trying to connect with the person we care about. Um, and there's lots of ways to do that that are completely free. So, yeah, I think I definitely need to work on thinking outside the box <laughs> when it comes to gifts. Outside the box of chocolates. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know, is there anything else that you want to chat about? Um, I don't think so. Um, yeah, I guess just in terms of Valentine's Day, I would just really invite people to, you know, just take from it what you feel is important and just maybe uh, leave behind what you feel is not important to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take what you like and leave the rest. Yes. <laughs> Well, this has been a really great first episode, yeah. in my perspective. Do I get to say that about our own podcast? I think so. I hope that through this, you got to know us a little bit better and that you feel comfortable submitting questions. We have an Instagram page, at Naked Exchange, and we also have a Gmail account where you can email us questions if you wish, um, nakedexchange at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we really, we want this to be interactive. Like we said, you know, um, we want to hopefully learn along with you. Um, so we would love to have, um, questions or even just, uh, topic suggestions or just maybe even ideas that you think are interesting and we'd like to get our perspective on. So yeah, we're looking forward to hearing from you guys. Great. All right. Well, see you next time. See you next time.